Ready to build better benefits that maximize employee wellness? Join Infirmary Health and Rx Benefits June 4th ASHRA webinar as they discuss actionable advice for developing pharmacy programs with your pharmacy resources, how to build internal and external partnerships that boost employee wellness, and what pharmacy trends could impact future benefit design for all HR leaders. Register today. To learn more about Rx Benefits, visit employers.rxbenefits.com or click the link in show notes. ASHRA listeners, welcome to another episode of the ASHRA podcast. Still live here in Savannah at the ASHRA Executive Summit. I am pumped for this episode. I'm here live with our awesome co-host, Bo Brabo. And we have John Petrov. John is the CHRO at VCU Health. Now, I actually started looking up John a few months ago. He uh, came on my radar, and I was, so I did as one does and did the LinkedIn creep thing. So I'm sure he saw me, you know, on the, like, who's looked at your profiles. I hope everyone looks at those. Anyways, I immediately was like, well, this guy's, this guy's different than what we typically see at the CHRO level. I would describe him, and I mean this in the, as the highest compliment that one can give, as like the HR Ted Lasso. This guy is out there speaking with passion out on LinkedIn and all the articles that I've read. He is out there getting pies in the face on pictures with team members. And it's something you don't see every day in the healthcare industry. And John, we couldn't be more excited. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Bo, for having me. It is truly my honor and pleasure to be here with you today. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to start off by just putting you on the spot. We were talking earlier. Uh, You won an award recently. Tell me about the award. So it's with HRO Today, a global magazine. Each year they hold a couple of different events. This was their front of the front line, CHRO of the year, and I was a leader of distinction in the lifetime achievement category. So very proud to have been recognized. You know, I'm 48 years young. I didn't necessarily know or anticipate that I'd get a lifetime achievement award. But at the same time, I've been practicing HR for over 20 years. Um, so it, it's both a blessing and um, a significant accomplishment and opportunity. I'm very grateful for that. Nice. You, oh, you got, oh, go ahead, Bo. I was say, what were a couple of the um, couple of the items that you were recognized for that? Yeah. That- helped you achieve the award or that you were awarded that? So my former CEO at the Guthrie Clinic was the individual who recommended me, Dr. Ed Sabani. And uh, it was for um, a lot of work uh, advocating for significant pay increases for our workforce. Mm. When I had arrived at Guthrie a little over three years ago, I identified that we were below the market in a couple of different areas in that market. Uh, our minimum wage was $12.50 an hour. And through the second year of the pandemic, we saw Walmart, we saw Dunkin' Donuts raise their minimum wages to 15 plus an hour. Guthrie represents 12 counties in upstate central Pennsylvania and upstate central New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a very rural population and area. And we, we had to make significant investments in our workforce in order to mitigate uh, higher uh, percentages of turnover with like environmental service workers and food service workers and whatnot. And I put together a proposal for a $31 million ask in a health system that had not made that kind of investment in its 112-year history. Wow. Uh, and I got that champion to the finish line. And, yeah. and there were other things. Um, this past year, we were also recognized at Guthrie as a top 150 places to work in healthcare, first time ever with Becker's Healthcare and soon to be recognized with the Healthcare Quality Index leader designation through the Human Rights Campaign for our LGBTQ plus work, yep. which I happen to be an openly gay male. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I know it's, it's awesome. So we were talking before before we hit the record button that compensation is very important to you. And you had some really deep thoughts on not just for your own team, um, but for across the organization. Uh, one of them was people shouldn't have to ask for a raise, right? And, and from a leadership perspective, tell us what that really means to you and how you go about actually taking action on that. Yep. That's a great question, Bo. You know, prior to COVID, and I think a lot has changed and we've learned a lot through the COVID pandemic, especially in healthcare. Prior to, prior to the pandemic, um, total rewards experts and others would always say, you know, pay is not the primary driver for anything. There are other things that we need to look at. And we do need to look at all those benefits and opportunities for career advancement and development. However, pay is a non-issue when pay is equitable and when pay is competitive coming out the gate. And there's a huge opportunity, not only within the health systems that I've worked for, but across our industry, we tend, like I work in not-for-profit healthcare. The tendency is to pay at the median of the market. Mm -hmm. The median is average. Who wants to be average? Are we providing average care? Are we providing average quality? No, we aspire to be the best that we can be and to provide high quality care, right? Right. Uh, a high uh, or very positive patient experience. So it's important to be proactive when it comes to how we compensate and treat our workforce. So as a, as a people leader myself, um, if I join a new organization, one of the first things that I'm going to do is within my own department, because I'm ultimately responsible and accountable, look at the compensation for my team and to make sure that I'm paying every member of my team competitively. Now you have to find out how are you going to achieve that from a budget perspective and whatnot. And there are other things that you could do to identify savings to mitigate those costs. The other piece is throughout the year, just as we do for the people that we serve, nurses and, you know, our our frontline caregivers, our our physicians and providers, we have to do the same within HR. We've got to take care of our own. So when you pay people competitively, when you proactively approach somebody and say, hey, you've had a fantastic year. Mm -hmm. I know that we budgeted 3% through the merit process. I'm giving you a 10% adjustment because that's what I would pay somebody today if I hired them off the street. Yeah. You're already here. My responsibility is to take care of you. Yeah. No, I think that is great. I've seen too many times where that's not the case or what would always drive me nuts um, when you're when you're working with hiring managers and so forth across the departments. And, you know, they, they ask the, the candidate, you know, how much how much do you make today? Right. And and then if, the, if it's low, right, their thought goes immediately to I can get this person really cheap. Right. When you know the role that I'll just give you an example, some numbers, the role pays $70,000 a year. That's a, that's a competitive pay for the role. The person's coming from a company where they made 40, right? So you say, Hey, I'll give you 50. They think they just got a $10,000 pay raise. They might be happy with that. But in your mind, that, that, that hiring manager is like, I just saved $20,000. So their first inclination was not to the person. No. At all. And, And that's unfortunate because we are in a people intense business. Yep. We are people caring for people. If we don't take care of our own, how do we expect them to take care of everyone else? Right. I agree with that completely. John, I wish everyone would think like this. And I don't, and I bet at the end of the day, I'm sure you've calculated this out. I don't think it's as much money as health systems think it is to right set the compensation at where it should be. Cause let's think about what it costs when the team members find out that you're hiring people brand new coming into the organization that are unfamiliar more than you're paying the person that's been there 
for five years, a decade like that, that hurts your soul as well, a team member. And, and I agree with that, Luke. However, that's not how I approach things. And, and with my team, we, we approach compensation um, differently because there's also another issue that can be presented with what you just described. And that could be a pay inequity issue that could have legal financial complications mm -hmm. if one were to raise an Equal Pay Act claim or discrimination, Title VII wow. claim. So at the end of the day, if I were to bring in somebody with five years of experience at a today current rate, and I have two people on the team that have been here longer that are making less, I need to at minimum bring them up to the rate gotcha. of pay. I got right? you. Based so, on the experience. That's right. Yep. So so I think it's important that we don't ever approach things in a vacuum, yep. but we look at the immediate situation at hand, but we also have a responsibility to look at the, the bigger impact mm -hmm. and make adjustments. Now, it's also possible that maybe from a budget constraint perspective, I don't have the wherewithal in the moment to bring their pay up. I would have a conversation with those two team members to let them know that there's an opportunity to make adjustments to your pay. It's not something that I can do today, but I can do over time and then commit to do that and then make it happen. Just be honest with people and have a real discussion. That's yeah. all it takes. That's all it takes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, people will be okay with that. As long as you're open. Most people. If it would work on me. It would work on me if you said, Luke, I get it. I see it. And here's my plan to make it right. Will you hang there with me? Like, oh my gosh, absolutely I will. It, it builds trust and loyalty. And I think that um, the relationship between the employer and the employee or the supervisor and the employee has to be reciprocal. And, and we have to base that relationship on mutual trust and respect. And by all means, I can talk a good game, right? Through this conversation, what have you. At the end of the day, we're measured by our actions, not our words. So if, if I enter into that arrangement with, with one of my employees, then I have to fulfill that and come through with that. Yep, absolutely. John, your energy is off the charts. It's something we don't see. Like, I mean, no, CHROs have a lot of energy. Yours is just on a whole different level, right? How do you use that energy to get what you need for your team members through the rest of the, the C-suite, right? Because what you're, what you're saying makes total sense. Um, it is definitely not the historical HR attitude that we should, shall I say, is that a good way to articulate that? Um, how do you put these ideas through the organization and get other people on board with you to do it? That's a great question. You know, HR for some time, even to this day, is really a difficult profession by which to navigate and perform. Um, we're the problem solvers. We're the department that you go to when you're in a pinch. Um, we're the ones that help to retain and attract talent. Ultimately, it's a responsibility of each people leader to retain their talent. HR is a vehicle by which we can provide tools and resources. Um, but having said that, it's, it's about developing meaningful relationships with your constituency, your customers. My attitude and approach to HR is I'm a customer service professional first and foremost. Yes. I'm an HR professional in support thereof. And I'm a generalist. I'm not an expert in any particular area of HR. But I would say on any given day, I could probably roll up my sleeves and do most of the jobs that are on my team. Probably nowhere near as good as my experts in that yeah. job can do. Um, 
But partnering with the C-suite, it starts with your CEO, it starts with your senior leadership team, each member of the C-suite, and in healthcare, it's the chief nurse executive or officer, it's the COO, it's the CFO, right? The chief of quality, um, the chief medical officer, whatnot. You really have to have a relationship with each and every member of that team, and you have to build trust and credibility with them, and then you have to execute and deliver. And it's like making small deposits in the bank. Yes. And when you make a small deposit, it's going to start to build up, right? And you're going to earn interest and that interest is going to compound over time so that when the big ass come and they will come, you are more inclined to get the support that you need because of other little wins, quick wins, some small, some big along the way. Right. Absolutely. John, tell us, tell us one of your craziest HR stories to date. So I've experienced a lot of uh, stuff throughout my career. One of my first mentors early on in my career, actually about 20 years ago, told me, John, when you go into any scenario, anticipate any outcome. Mm -hmm. Expect the good, the bad, the ugly. So I just recently joined VCU Health, and I had an all-hands meeting with my HR team a couple of weeks ago, and um, just meet and greet. Each member, over 100 members were there. Team members had the opportunity to tell me who they were, what they did, and one fun fact about themselves. I get halfway through the group, and I have a member of the team, experienced member of the team, been around for a while, lady, uh, and she goes to share her fun fact, and she said that she was a hooker before she got into HR. And I got to tell you, that was a first, and I, I tend to be bubbly and have a personality, but I was stone cold, flush faced. And then the gentleman next to her, also an experienced and member of the HR leadership team said, and I used to be a pimp. And then I'm really like engaging them in a dialogue, but trying to redirect. So I acknowledged the team member and I said, well, that must have been an interesting time in your life. And I'm glad that you came to HR, and I'm so excited to talk about the future of HR, so I'm trying to redirect. And then another team member across the way, of a particularly mature team member, said, I'm still a hooker on the side. And I thought that I was being roasted, and, and I, I expressed such, I said, this is a joke, right? You guys, and I've never had this in my career and, you know, I'm about having fun and doing things different, but there's no way on earth that you recruited me to Richmond, Virginia, and I would have ever thought that I have a team of hookers and pimps. Long story short, the two ladies, one was and one currently is a rug hooker. And they gave me uh, further context after they got the emotional reaction out of me. And the one male team member had expressed that he was teasing. He had never been a pimp. Got it. But what an introduction to my new team. Yeah, that for is sure. Amazing. What, <laughs> and I think that you, I think your personality allows people to feel comfortable enough yeah. to say that around you, which is a, a great thing. That's yeah. That's a crazy story. I, I, I it is one I will there. never forget. No. All right. Never. So let's move into our new segment called the what would you do segment. And we're going to we're going to play on that. We didn't know you were going to say that, but we knew this was going to be the, the question we were going to give you on what you would do. So you have, uh, you're, in your, you're in your office, you're the CHRO, and a, a woman comes into your office and she files a complaint with you that there's a man in the company that's harassing her for money. It keeps coming to her and telling her that 
she owes him money and she wants the harassment to stop. She's tired of it, right? Um, you, you start your investigation. I'm going to see what this is all about. So you call the gentleman into your office and you say, Hey, what's, what's going on? Are, are you harassing her for money? Is this really happening? Tell me the story. He's like, you're damn right, John. I'm harassing her for money because she owes me money. Right. And, and you say, well, why does she owe you money? What does she owe you money for? And she says, well, we've had this deal and she's not getting sex at home. So she came to me and she hired me to have sex with her. And each time that we have sex, she pays me. Right. And all of a sudden she couldn't afford to pay me anymore, at least at the time of the act, because she was taking too much money out of the bank and didn't want her husband to find out that she's, you know, where's all this money going. And she owes me money for several engagements that she hasn't paid me for. And I want my money. Right. So John, what do you do? So one point of clarification, co-workers or is there any reporting? No, no reporting. No reporting relationship. And the acts aren't happening in the workplace. Yep, yep, the only yep. thing happening in the workplace is the harassment. Yep. So um, I think this one's fairly simple to address. The fact of the matter is I would Tell each of them independently what you do outside the workplace is your own business. However, now it has crossed the line into the workplace, so it's my business to address and to tend to. I would warn both of them that their interaction and discussion around this topic, whether one owes the other money or not, stops occurring effective immediately in the workplace. They can have go to small claims court. (laughs) Because I'm sure the amount is probably less than $5,000. Address that in small claims court. We're not going to address it here. If I find that it continues, both of them will be held accountable and we'll follow the corrective discipline process up to and including separation of employment. I think that's a great answer. That was a really good, well thought out answer. On the spot. Yeah. On the spot. Dang, John. So so the question, the question follow on to you know one other thing though hold on because i have a counterpart a little birdie in my ear i just want to point out you know there is an aspect of that interaction perhaps it depends on the state in which this occurs because nevada would be legal but there are some states that that interaction may be illegal if no one's in immediate harm's way i don't know that i'm necessarily the police Mm But again, I'd go back. It, there's no place for that in the workplace. And, you know, the two of them could potentially be subject to an unlawful activity outside the workplace and right. perhaps maybe nudge them and remind them of that. Yep, for sure. That was awesome. And on the spot, John, good Lord, that was wonderful response. Was there anything else you'd like just to say to the listeners before we before we sign off? Yes. Take care of your people. Your people are your most important asset. And again, I think COVID really represents that. Um, you know, when, when advocating with leaders um, to make changes for the better or to make additional investments in our people, I always say this, we can never do enough for our people. Therefore, we must do all that we can. That's a caveat to that. There are budget constraints. There may be legal or regulatory constraints. That's why HR professionals exist. We help organizations navigate that, right? And manage through good times, bad times, whatever it may be, but do all that you can for your people because we can never do enough. 
Absolutely. Let's preface one thing before we go, because I, I, I don't know that we've we've said it enough. For everybody listening, this new segment, what would you do? I want we want you to know that these are real issues that have that have been that have come to us through other HR professionals and executives when we're asking for these stories and and what has happened that then we are proposing to other guests to help you, the listener, um, find some how some methods. How would you approach it? You might not have the same solution, but we don't want you to get frazzled as soon as one of these types of issues hits your desk. So thank you so much for answering that and participating. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Luke and Bo. Oh, my gosh, John. Please come back on. You're welcome anytime. The energy is through the roof. Uh, Listeners, you've been listening to John Petrov, CHRO at VCU Health. Man, keep being you. Your just authenticity is through the roof. It's contagious. Uh, Looking forward to the rest of the time together here in Savannah. But as for listeners, that's a wrap. Still listening? Save your seat for the upcoming June 4th ASHRA webinar with Rx Benefits and Infirmary Health today. Questions for the speakers? Send them ahead of time to ashra.edu at ashra.org.